morning, everyone. Let's all stand and sing our song of praise, friend of God. Thank you. Be seated, if you will. We want to welcome each and every one present again this morning. Thank you for being here. Happy Mother's Day to you moms. We do have a little flower for you we'll give you as you leave uh, today. Uh, but we thank you for being the moms that you are and, uh, and going the distance and beyond the distance. So all you moms, thank you for that. And we love you. And all those, all those who are attending with us virtually, we, we welcome you as well. And the members at Arbor Landing here in Surfside are, are with us virtually as well. And so we welcome each and every one uh, for that as well. And I'm glad you're here and, and trust that our, our time together, uh, you know, will be virtually, whether it's in person in this place, will be a time that will be uplift and encouragement to each and every one. So let's pray together. Let's begin together in prayer. Father, we thank you that you grace us this morning with your presence and your love with the friendship that gathers around us in this very place and attends with us in many different parts of the country even. We thank you that we can experience your blessings and your fullness and your grace. But more importantly, we want to bless you. We want to say we love you, we honor you, and we worship you and we adore you in spirit and in truth. We give you our hearts and we become the worshipers today, uh, recognizing you as Lord and King and God, magnificent as you are. And may you take all that we do in this service today and be a blessing unto your heart and lift up your holy name. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Come the fount of every blessing Tune my heart to 
Father, we thank you for this beautiful day and, and worship to you today. And we, we thank you for all the mothers in attendance and all over the world. We would not be here without the love and the guidance of our mothers. As we go into our service today, we ask that the Holy Spirit be right, right next to us and through our pastor who hides behind the cross, give him the words to say, imprint them on our hearts that we may live this through the week. And as a Sunday school lesson this morning, we are believers and disciples, and we have to spread the message. Now as we come to our tithes and our offerings, we just ask that you be with the gift and the giver, and we ask all of these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
Today I want to bring a message that's entitled True Worship and we will look into that various uh, scripture that really is speaking about what you just heard sung about what God does to a human soul and human life. Last week I began talking about one character in scripture. Today I want to look at another character that's in scripture in John chapter 4 in verses 4 through 26, it is entitled True Worship. And it is about the woman at the well. And I firmly believe it was a divine appointment, as it was with any others who met Jesus, a divine appointment. It is not by accident that you are here. It is by divine appointment that you got up this morning and you found yourself in this very place. It is by divine appointment that you thought about God throughout this week and God visited you and did something special within you and for you and around you. It is not by accident or coincidence that the Christian life is a part of who you are. It is the divine appointment. And God is all about those appointment processes. And so the next time you find yourself, oh, what a coincidence, I see you here. Don't think of it as a coincidence. Think of it as a divine appointment God has orchestrated from heaven on earth and you are the recipient of that divine appointment. And this particular passage was about a divine appointment. It was about a woman who was considered a nobody. She was considered just really a person who, who had a life that was so broken, that was so mangled, that was so confusing that was a life that no one else who understood any religiosity wanted to be a part of who she was. She was dirty. No one wanted her. And it obviously showed she went from one dead-end relationship to another until she met the greatest one who fulfilled the most needed relationship in her life. And it was there at a well curb. And beginning there in John chapter 4, in verses 4 through 26, is that story where Jesus just happened to be, okay? In other words, appointed to be. He had to travel through Samaria, it says, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Man, Joseph comes back into play. We talked about him last week. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about six in the evening. So all day experience for Jesus, and he's tired. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her. For his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, Asked for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. So you can see she already has the cultural difference to where a Jew is not to associate with a Samaritan or a Gentile. Well, if, if so, they were considered unclean. She understands that, and she asked him that. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who was saying it to you, give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? 
you aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? <laughs> Good insight. <laughs> Duh. He gave the whale and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. It's almost like he points to the whale and says, anybody who drinks from this deep hole, they're going to get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never thirst again, ever, he says. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to come here to draw water ever again. <clears throat> she doesn't get it, or does she? Go call your husband, he says, and come back. I, I don't have a husband, she answered. Yep, you said correctly. I don't have a husband. Jesus said, for you've had five husbands, and the man that you're now with is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, yet you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Now, wait a minute. Jesus is talking about the sinfulness of her life, and now she's turned it to worship. All right, listen to this. Something's happening. Something good is happening here in the conversation that just happened to be. The appointed, that is. Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Hello, I am he, Jesus told her, the one speaking to you. And now verse 28, then the woman left her water jar, went into town, and told the men, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left town and made their way to him. And in verse 39, now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. Something happens that changes this woman from being a non-believer to being a believer. Something happens that changes her outlook from going to a miserable, dead-end relationship after relationship and now meeting the one relationship that adds the greatest substance and meaning to her life. And yet, what do you purchase as a gift for a person who has everything? Perhaps you have faced that dilemma and walked with frustration through stores hoping that you find a special gift that communicates your love and meets the need in the life of one who's receiving the gift. Now apply this situation to our attempts to please the desire of God. God knows all things. He possesses all the treasures of heaven as well as earth. And yet, he does not need anything. So what can we give God that he doesn't already have? And yet, the greatest gift and what God longs for more than anything from his followers is that God desires for his children to freely, boldly, passionately worship him in spirit and in truth. That's his greatest desire, that you and I worship him. John 4 reveals that Almighty God possesses the unceasing desire for true worshipers because of what took place here at this well. Now, the woman comes to the well expecting one thing. She leaves the well receiving another. 
Jesus comes to the well expecting one thing, and he gave exactly what that one thing was. It was an appointed moment where Jesus met this woman and would transform her life for the rest of her life. It is not by accident that Jesus is who he is. And it's not by accident that you come to know him. It is not by accident that you have in your heart the message of the gospel. It is not by accident that you are meeting people who do not know him. It is not by accident that you're to share and give that message away. It is not by accident that you are to to work with individuals to help them to grow, help them to understand faith in Christ. It is not by accident that you are where you are. So let's look at what true worship reveals based on what happened to this woman. First of all, is there must be a rejection of strongholds. Now, when we think of strongholds, you can think of strongholds as being positive and you can think of them as being negative. You know, strongholds that give us, give us guidance, strongholds that guide us, direct us, motivate us, that encourage us, strongholds that are good, that helps us to understand Scripture. So those are positive strongholds. But here, we're talking about the negative ones. There are strongholds that grip our life, that hold on to us, that cause us to take our view off of God and focus on something else. And this insightful conversation develops between Jesus and this immoral Samaritan woman. We learn about the strongholds or the obstacles that prevent her from understanding the truth. And the truth is that Jesus is the Messiah. And so something was penetrating her heart in the issues of her life that was drawing her away from able to being able to see in clarity the Lord himself sitting there at the well curb. Yet it helps us to understand that that maybe we allow strongholds sometimes and we allow things to creep into our life that helps us to hide behind so that we feel as if we do not have to let go of those things because it's okay to hold on to that which is comfortable in our life. Well, as we may think it's comfortable, it may actually be very uncomfortable. As this woman was at the well curb in her comfortableness of life, and Jesus raised the question that would cause her to see her own spiritual life that would create an uncomfortableness so that she now sees Jesus for who he is. And he was one who was there to transform all about what she could even imagine and dream. You know, worship is considered a beautiful moment in a person's life. Worship can happen as you close the doors at home and you're the only one in your living room or your bedroom or wherever your prayer closet is, it can be a beautiful experience when you call out Abba Father and you begin to communicate and you begin to lift up his name. You begin to to give him your, your, your petitions, what's on your heart. As you begin to give him praise and thanksgiving, even praying for others and the needs all around us. It becomes a beautiful experience between us and God. It becomes even more beautiful when a group of people come together from that private experience and come together corporately and we worship together. And we understand and we're on the same page that it is is all about God and it's all about who He is and what He does and for us in life. We recognize He as being Lord and King. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, And as you look at Romans 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you, I strongly encourage you, I I plead with you, I beg with you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. You see, God looks for the heart, the soul, and the mind. He's looking for people who love him with heart, soul, mind, and strength in recognition of the glory of God. 
And when that happens, there's something that we have to put a stamp on. It's something that's very hard to do many times in our own life. It's naming it and claiming it and settling it and saying to God, this is my problem. This is my stronghold. And this I'm willing to reject in my life today. I'm willing to walk away from it. I'm willing to be the person you want me to be. I'm willing to say, I want to give my life to you. And I want to live in purity. I want to live in your glory. I want to live in your holiness. I want to live in your righteousness. And therefore, I reject this sin, this stronghold of my life. And I confess it before you. And I cry out to you, Abba, Father, cleanse me. Make me new. Make me fresh. That's what happened here at this whale curb. This is what took place with this woman. Jesus was not threatened with the trash of her life. Jesus was not threatened with all the gook that happened. Jesus wasn't threatened with everything she came to the table with. She, he was not threatened by her, her life. He wanted her to have the substance of abundant life, full and free, to be restored and to be renewed and to understand transformation. A second part of true worship, because this is what it leads to, true worship of what took place at this well curb. Second of all is the recognition of the Savior. We understand that she recognized Jesus. She, she says, you know, any person who could say what they said about my life and not know me has to be at least a prophet. Something's got to be special. And then Jesus identified as she's in questioning him, what is, it, little, what is it about you that's different than anybody else I've ever met? What's different about you as a man than any other man that's been a part of my life? What's different about you that can be different than, than any other man that has ever offered me anything in life? What is it that's different about you? I'm the Messiah. That's what's different. I'm your Lord. I'm your Savior. I'm the one who's going to set you free as you come to know the truth. And yet this says to her, draw me some water. I'm thirsty. Just to create, just to create, to let her know this is not a, a, a coincidence. This is not a happen chance. This is not, oh, by way, let me tell you what happened to me in town at the, at the well curb. This was an, a divine appointment that God had for this woman who was going through life feeling as if life had beat her down. She had gone from one dead-end relationship to another and just couldn't find it. She just couldn't find happiness and peace and joy. She just couldn't manufacture uh, the, the, the eternal glow of life until she met the Savior. And Jesus says, draw me some water. Why? Okay, but Jesus ends up saying to her, really, never mind. That's not the water I want you to understand. The water I want to give you is a water that will never have you thirst again for any substance spiritually of your life. And she, of course, still thinking the physical, says, well, how can that be? You don't have no bucket, and, this, and this, this place is deep. This well is deep. The water I give you is going to blow your mind. The water I give you is going to cleanse you from the inside out. The water I give you is going to give you happy feet. The water I give you is going to give you a joy. The water I give you is going to give you a compulsion to go tell everybody in your town of Samaria who I am. What I give you is going to set you afire. What I give you is going to change your life from the inside out and people are going to take notice. Are you willing to drink it? And then what happens in true worship, not only re rejection of those strongholds, and, and we must recognize the Savior as she recognized him as the Messiah, something different, something that's different than any other person she'd ever met, is there comes a time where in true worship we must be willing to repent of our sin, something we don't talk about a lot today. You know why? Because it makes people uncomfortable. It's not a part of our culture anymore. It's a part of rejection. It's a part of, of canceling the culture of sin. And that's not going to happen. 
And yet here is a, a true example. Je Jesus does not beat around the bush. He doesn't say, by the way, or whisper to her so no one else hears. He, she, he says to her, go get your husband and come. I don't have a husband. I know you don't. You know what? You've had five of them. And you're living, you've got six relationships that have failed you. Why is it, woman? Why is it that you are failing in all the, all the relationships of life? You remember Jesus says, I'll give you living water that will never cause you to thirst. I will give you a relationship that will never fail you. I will give you substance in life that will lift you up that you will understand. And so he's waiting for her to confess it. And she does. You said rightly. You nailed it. You know everything about me. Yes, I do. And so he's waiting for that confession, waiting for her to, to clean out the junk. He's waiting for the oil change. He's waiting for all of it to drain out so he can put a new filter in and supply her all with fresh oil, loosely saying. I need oil change in my car, by the way. So once the woman recognized that she humbly acknowledges her sinful past, she doesn't do it with pride, she does it with brokenness. And when she saw the Lord, she saw him lifted up and high. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6, somewhere in the New Testament, I mean Old Testament, he's wrapped up in here. Uh, Isaiah, where I think I had it marked somewhere. Oh, where, where to put it? Where to put it? There it is. Isaiah 6 verse 5. Then I said, Isaiah says, Woe to me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. And live among a people of unclean lips, because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know what happens to the woman at the whale? Woe to me, Jesus, for I am a woman of unclean lips. Woe to me, Jesus, for I am sinful. Woe to me, Jesus, because my life is dirty and no one cares about me. And Jesus says, I do. And I'm here to clean it up. I'm here to give you life. I'm here to give you substance. I'm here to change your perspective. I'm here to give you a whole new outlook in life. I'm here to settle the greatest issue of your life. If you'll take of this living water and you will never thirst again. And fourth of all, we must understand that, that we must request the supplication. We must request the supplication. True worship involves calling upon the Lord to meet our needs. In verse 10, Jesus challenges the woman and all the worshipers with the words, you should have asked, the Bible says. In Romans, I mean, in, in James chapter 4, verse 2, listen to this. You're not going to receive unless you ask, right? Verse 2, it says, You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly so that you may spend it on your desires for pleasure. James clearly says, if you're not going to receive something unless you ask. So true worship involves calling on the Lord to meet our needs. And as Jesus says, you should ask for it. And yet this woman, she is crying out of her, her soul. She walks up to this well and she's asking for something more. Obviously so. She's gone from one dead-end relationship to another. And it's not working. It's not happening for her. She's not getting it. And yet she's crying out and she's saying to God and she's asking, I need help. Jesus knows that. And so he strikes up the conversation to get her to recognize all the things in her life, to recognize him as Savior, to recognize her own sin and to make that request, give me that water, he, she says. Give me that water you're talking about. I don't want to ever thirst again. I want to know the truth and I want to be set free from all this in my life. I want to know that I am clean all over again. In, Ro in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, you're saying, man, this guy's finding Scripture fast. I, I pre-marked it. In verse 8, when he, when he took the scroll, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, gold bowls filled with incense, 
which are the prayers of the saints. It's amazing the saints begin to pray. It's like a sweet-smelling sacrifice honoring Christ and worshiping Christ. And it's the opportunity that we give to God and yet we call upon Him. And as we do, our prayers are like incense that just like a sweet aroma that goes up to heaven. And yet this woman says, give me. She makes a request. Give me this water you're speaking of. Give me what I need for my life. Give me life. Give me help. Give me direction. Give me salvation. And it's like a sweet aroma. And yet there's one other thing that happens. Prayer leads us to a final principle of true worship is the fact that we must relay the story. Something happens to this woman that changes her because she goes back to her town and she starts telling everybody she can find that something happened to her not by accident, not by chance, not by happen chance, not by coincidence, but by divine appointment where God met her in the deepest need of her life, in the brokenness of her life, and changed her life for the rest of her life. And she's telling everybody else about it. And what happens to the Samaritan town because of this one lady? It changes the whole town. And the whole town begins to worship and begins to call upon the Lord. True worship brings lost people to Jesus. The Apostle Paul described an accurate picture of true worship in Romans chapter 15, in verses 15 and 16, where it says, Nevertheless, to remind you, I have written to you more boldly on the same points because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, serving as a priest of God's good news. My purpose is the offering of the Gentiles so they may be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And so you and I have a story to tell. You and I have a story to tell that can change the life of another. You and I have a story to tell that can transform a person's mind and heart and turn them from their sin and turn, them, turn their mind and heart to God unto salvation. You and I have a story to tell. I love, I love the definition. We, we mentioned it once again in Sunday school this morning. Sharing Christ is sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and we leave the results to God. It is not my job to save someone, but it's my job to share the story. It is not your job to save a soul, but it is our job together to share our story. And we've got a wonderful story to tell. A story that says that I am saved that I once was not and now I'm found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was willing to be a hired servant, but I have been put, a robe and sandals and a ring have been put on me, and I am privileged to be in the Father's care. We have a story to tell, a story that can change the world, that can change our village, that can change our community. You say, well, that can't happen. Yes, it did. It happened here. It happened from a woman at the well in a sinful condition that Jesus changed. She went back to her town and transformed her whole town. And the whole town began to worship God because of her testimony. Wow. You can change your community. How many homes are right around where you live? 10, 15, 20? Some of you live in a missionary environment where people come to you every week for at least half the year. They come from all over the country and they, they move in as renters for a week and they, they, have, they have come to your territory. They have come to your mission field and you have opportunity to tell your story to many people as possible, whether you're at the pool, the beach, where, wherever you are in the store, wherever it is, you can become your missionary, God's missionary right where you are. How many homes are in your community? Mine's 248. People all around us. Houses behind us, in front of us, around us, beside us. 
We see more of the trash can than we do the people when it comes out on, on Friday. But we have people to tell a story to. We have people to strike up conversation with. There are people who need to, to understand. Who knows, it may just be the same situation where we have opportunity at a well curb of their life to offer them affirmation and love and acceptance because of Jesus Christ. When Jesus speaks to us about living water and true worship, He invites us to explore the depths of His love through worship. May we never limit the Lord to a set time, to a set place, or to a set activity. The great hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, the last verse says, Were the whole rim of nature mine that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Demands it. You see, what happened to this woman wasn't something that just she thought about, hey, good, to, good, good thing to do. No, something compelled her to leave the presence of Jesus, to go back to the people that she cared about and she wanted to make a difference in and to communicate what had happened to her at the well curb, that she is now a changed person because of her encounter with Jesus. And if they want the same encounter, they must, I mean, same experience, they must encounter the same Jesus. God is seeking true worshipers. He longs for you to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Divine appointment that happened at this woman's curb of her life changed her for the rest of her life. Will you present your gift of worship to God today? Will you present your gift of worship to God today? And what is that gift? I can't, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. You know why? Because you have to tell God what that gift is. It may first begin with confession. It, it may be a hallelujah. It may be something that I have no idea. But you have to present it. But I do know this. Whom we're presenting to is all the same. And it's Jesus. What we're presenting is all different. And God is not going to run with what you give Him today so that you can understand what it means to worship Him in spirit and in truth. I believe when we all collectively get to that point together, there will be an exuberation, joy. There will be a gladness. There will be an excitement. There will be a compulsion to wake the people up in the night even ringing their doorbell and knocking on their door, telling them about a story in, their, in our life, a story that Jesus changes hearts. You have a story to tell. Why? Because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet we realize that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We understand that the truth, we must know the truth, because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he goes on to say that no one gets to, gets to the Father except through me. And if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. And we, we share that story. Why? Because we know he stands at the door and he knocks. And he's waiting for that person who hears that message to turn the knob to open the door because Jesus is willing at that moment if he opens the door to come into them, sup with them, and they with he. We have a story to tell that's going to fill every spiritual need of a person's life. And we have a story to tell that's going to change the perspective of who that person is. We have a story to tell that's going to cause someone to begin to love people they hate. we got a story to tell that's going to change a person's attitude to that which can be pleasant 
We have a story to tell that's going to transform who that person is so that they can understand who they were created to be. That's exciting. It wasn't by accident Jesus was at the well curb. And it wasn't by accident this woman came to draw water late in the evening because they normally would draw it at 12 o'clock noon, not in the evening. Women would not be out late in the evening. It was a problem if they were. And so it wasn't by accident that Jesus was there at 6 in the evening and the woman came at the inappropriate time at that well. It was a divine appointment that would change the entire village by affecting one person. Will you go back to your village and make that change? Why? Because Jesus has changed you. Who knows what's going to happen as the worshipers will be called in together to worship the living God in spirit and in truth. Will you present your gift of worship to God today? Now, the gift of worship is that which you've already gotten rid of and you're now ready to honor Him with your life. Will you give Him that gift, your life? Father, I thank You that You call upon us in different times in our life to remind us of the necessities, even the compulsions, even that which drives us and pulls us and tugs at us so that we can understand happy living, that we can understand that joyful living, peaceful living, a living a life in righteousness and holiness and godliness. We thank you for the cleansing that we all have experienced as we've confessed you as Lord and Savior, confessed you as Lord of all, we thank you that we can be free as your children, as your sons and daughters, as the families, a family who becomes an united family under your lordship. We thank you that you grant to us peace and joy this very day. As we give to you our true worship, we recognize you as the only God. We recognize you as the answer to whatever problematic area of our life is. Thank you for setting us free that we can understand you as a loving God. We love you with all our soul, heart, mind, and strength, and we're willing to serve you from this day forward. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Listen to this song as our hearts are prepared, as God calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light to remember to have us to remember what light is about and what God is about in our individual lives
Look down into darkness.